Welcome, folks. It is 2013. You have officially arrived in the year 2013. <laughs> it, no longer 2012. The Mayans were wrong. We succeeded. I'm your host, Trick Jared. Here are my two co-hosts, Tifa Mayan and Mike Robles on the Daily MTG Podcast. How are you guys doing? Great. I'm doing really well. It's 2013. I had a fantastic break and ready to talk about Gate Crash. Now, Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. It's exciting because not only is it a new year, Gate Crash is crashing down upon the community all around us, and we are here in the midst of it. Very exciting. We will have a special guest coming in just a little bit. He is, of course, the well-known Mark Rosewater. But to start off, it's just us three, and we want to you know, talk about what we did over the break. The Wizards shuts down. Like, literally, they close the doors, lock us out, except for some game support and skeleton crew. But it's true. <laughs> like, even I had to leave the building. That's how serious you know the holiday was. What did you guys do? Like, well, I just sat around the house. Uh, we went to California. Yeah, I have, I have family in California, so we went down and we visited family. We yeah. visited some theme parks, some old friends as well, uh, some new friends. There's a, a web series based on Magic the Gathering, and I met up with them and played um, some cards with them. And then we we both got tattoos. Did you finally get your yes, Civic tattoo? Yes, I finally got my Civic tattoo. Oh, man, that, that is awesome. I, I am so jealous, and it, I, it looks awesome. Thanks. That's that's. What and I got? I got a Black Lotus tattoo, actually. Also, if you break his arm, you get three mana. <laughs> yeah. Good to know. Uh, yeah, and it's one of those things. It's funny because uh, Mark Purvis was like, oh, what are you going to cover up if you ever stop playing Magic? And I was like, you know what? If I ever stop playing Magic, that's fine. But like, I, I probably will never cover this up because Magic is always going to be with me. It's always been a part of my life. And in fact, uh, one of the families that I went and hung out with, some old friends of mine and that uh, Tifa got to meet, I've known for 20 years. Right. And they were the family that got me into Magic. Oh, that's awesome. And so when we went there, we were just talking about how we used to play all the time. And they were the ones that, like, one guy made a joke that was like, you don't deserve to have that because we got you into Magic. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's always going to be a constant in my life. And it's right. one of those things where when I personally think of Magic, I always think of the Black Lotus. Right. It's just one of Magic's iconic yeah, things. Yeah, sure. One of the cards, one of the, the art. I mean, even the New art is going to become, I'm sure, oh, iconic. The new art is so amazing. I love the new art. And that's why my, my tattoo is based a little bit off the old art and new art. And in right. fact, uh, I think probably at the end of 2013, when I go back down to California, I'm going to get more surrounding that's based, some of the artwork based off the new art, some of the nice. skeleton and the shading uh, around to create a full sleeve. So for those of you who aren't clear, the, the new art comes from the Magic Online Cube. Uh, which had power for the first time ever. First time powers ever appeared on Magic Online. It's beautiful. Chris Ron did it. Oh, it's it came such out a nice wonderful. Piece. Yeah, and for me, I also wanted to get a tattoo based mm-hmm. on Magic because Magic is so important in my life. Right. Um, and I've been wondering like what I wanted to get for a while. I toyed around with getting the green mana symbol since I like green so much. Um, but when I saw the Simic symbol, I I was like, oh, that's it. And then the more and more that I learned about Simic, the more and more excited I got for the tattoo because it represents um, evolution, which is one of the things, one of the many things I studied in college. And it's a beautiful symbol, even if somebody doesn't play magic. Right. I mean, earlier I was talking to somebody about how it's a great conversation starter to discuss with them what magic is. Yeah. And you've been talking about getting this for, I mean, several weeks, months, months yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, you finally got it. That's that's pretty awesome. And just as Gate Crash is coming out, so you'll have it at the pre-release. Yeah, there there might have been some planning on the timing. <laughs> might have been. <laughs> so I guess the real question is, are, are you going to draft Simic at the you know first opportunity you get? That is absolutely my plan. Just going to force it, just <laughs> no matter what. Show the tattoo, let everyone know what the what the deal is, <laughs> yeah. and go for it. All right. Well, that's awesome, and we will be back in just a moment. 
with Mark Rosewater. We are here back in the Daily MTG Podcast recording studio with the one, the only Mark Rosewater. How are you? Hello. We uh, we had our little intro. We're back from break. Did you have a good break? I did. I did. I had a good time with my family. It's so I'm, I'm curious. How are we going to do this? Are we all going to get in a van? <laughs> it's yes. not. It's not drive to work. We're already at work. We're we're, <laughs> we're, we're now recording in house. So in a non moving vehicle. How do you? I didn't. I didn't know you could do that. <laughs> it, it's the wave of the future. I had a very good vacation. I mean, obviously having a family makes it very easy to have a very uh, exciting, exciting time off. So good. Did you guys play any magic over the break? I'm just curious. Like uh, I played Commander. Yeah, I played, Commander. I played a lot of Commander. Uh, I did not. I spent a lot of time with my family. Um, well, I'm trying to teach magic, but none of them are right. what I would call true magic players yet. <laughs> right. The yeah, we did, we did a Winston draft on, on New Year's, Year's yeah, and New then Year's. we had a grab bag draft with a bunch of friends yesterday. Nice. On New Year's Day, yeah. What about gifts? We gave gifts. We gave magic gifts. To, oh, nice. To, to folk, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, my, my nephew got very into magic this year. And so I was able to be the good uncle and give him some awesome magic gifts. Nice, nice. Uh, it's interesting. My friends all now that now that I'm here, they're like, "So, how do I get some booster packs?" You know? <laughs> if you wanted to send me a Christmas gift, booster packs would be a great right, yeah. gift. That, that hint, yeah. Very subtle, friends. Very subtle. Uh, so, Mark, you are here because a, you're awesome. B, you're awesome. And C, you worked on Gate Crash, which is happening right now. It is. Uh, we are many, many years ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, many years ago for you. Yes. Right now for us. <laughs> now, one of the things that's weird about doing design is I work way ahead, yeah. and so I actually start work on a set about three years ahead now, and I hand it off like sixteen months ago. So, like for me, I'm thinking about like Huey, like the right. 2014 fall set. Not you know. In fact, I'm working on also the 2015 fall set and pre-design. So, like. This seems like ancient so far, long ago. Well, even beyond just the normal leading of the set is you worked with Mark Gottlieb on this. So you, I did. You, you I did. handed off this set midway through so that you could then move on to other stuff. Yes. So the, the story, real quickly, is um, normally the person who does a fall set will work on it all year long. Right. Um, and the plan was that I was going to do Dark Ascension because after Dark Ascension was – Return to Ravnica, right. and so uh, Ken Nagel did Return to Ravnica, so then I was going to do the next set after Return to Ravnica, which is Gatecrash, right. and at the time, it was a small set. It wasn't a big set, right. uh, and so uh, Brian Tinsman, who's no longer here, was going to do Friends, which is the fall 2013 fall. set, and so I'm like, well, I'm doing a small set, so if need be, I could do the fall set, but then it got turned into a big set, and then Brian left, and I was, I was like... Okay, the, I can't do two large sets at one time. They were going to overlap for four months, I think. Mm-hmm. And so what we decided to do was I would start doing it, and then I would pick one of my team members, and I would hand it off, and that person would lead the set for the rest of the way. Right. And Gottlieb proved to be the best choice. He had already done Married and Besieged. Yeah, we did sort of uh, pass the baton. Mm-hmm. The, the interesting thing was he was on the team the whole time. I was on the team the whole time. We just kind of switched roles of who was running things. Oh, okay. Now, you you are – an admitted is it fan. I mean, obviously you design yes. and, and you think for all the guilds. Which guild in Gate Crash do you most closely associate with? Oh, Simic. Definitely Simic. Yeah, I, I might be is it number one, but Simic's my backup guild. So now, do you know that Jennifer Mayan right over there just got a Simic tattoo? I'm on Twitter. Yes. Okay. Just making sure. <laughs> just making sure we're all on the same. I page saw here. every. Yeah. Uh, here's the outline. Here's the coloring. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, was, I, was, I was live tweeting from Tifa's phone. Oh, that's right. As okay. I was getting, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, good. I'm making sure we're all on the same page. See, I am a Boros for yeah. the, of the Gate Crash guilds and Celestia of the RTR guilds. 
Mike, you're, you're Demir, and then what, what's your uh, RTR guild? My RTR guild is Izzet. Izzet. So yeah. is, you're Izzet Demir. Yeah, for sure. Okay. As I associate with it, but I don't think I'll be playing much Demir. Because, <laughs> like, as much as I... No, that's a lie. Well, wait till, wait till you learn about Cypher. It's true. It's true. Wait till you guys learn about Cypher. No, Demir's... Demir's got some good stuff. Demir's got oh, some really good stuff. All of them have some good stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah this, sure. I'm, when I looked at RTR, I was like, this set's amazing. I looked at Gate Crash, I was like, this set is amazing. Like, they, they are both just mind-blowing. Yeah. Now, one of the things that's interesting about going back, I, I did Ravnica way, way back when. Right. Um, the original Ravnica. The, original, the very original Ravnica. Um, and what we were trying to do way back then was I was trying to not be Invasion. And right. Invasion was about playing five colors. So I was like, well, how do we be a multicolor set that's not about playing five colors? Like, how about playing two colors? That's about as far away from five colors as I can get. Right. Um, and then that idea inspired – the idea of having ten two-colored pairs inspired Brady to come up with the guilds. Right. And then once we had the guilds, I said, okay, let's go to town with the guilds. And we did the 4-4-3 four, – four, mm-hmm. sorry, the 4-3-3 three, three breakdown. Um, and at the time, everybody thought I was kind of crazy because like – so let me understand this. So they're going to open up a booster pack and six of the ten combinations aren't going to be there. Like, Yes. <laughs> They'll, they'll be later. Right. So then they open the next pack and three are there. Yes. And like they're like, no one's going to go for that. It's not going to work in draft. And I said, well, let's, let's try it. Right. Um, it's obviously went over very well. So coming back, we were like, okay, we now know the identity really well. We understood the guilds really well. And so this time, I felt like last time we made a few mistakes. I felt, for example, Boros had a mechanic that wasn't really Boros. I think Radiance was kind of a miss. Mm-hmm. Haunt was kind of confusing to people. Yep. Forecast was a little sluggish. There, there were a few ones last time that I thought we could have do a little better than. And I feel like this time we all understood each of the guilds and really were able to like really hammer home an awesome mechanic for each of the guilds. Right. Uh, we, we've now shown all five of the gate crash mechanics. Yeah. Now, there's some really interesting stories here because some of these came from great designer search. Some of these yes. went through design, through development without being changed, right? Yes. Well, so here's what happened is two of the mechanics, which is the evolved mechanic from Simic and the battalion mechanic from Boros – were both designed in the Great Designer Search. Right. Uh, Evolve was designed by Ethan Fleischer, who won, and uh, Battalion, which was called Ambush, was designed by Sean Maine, who came in second, mm-hmm. both of which now work in uh, the design department here at uh, lovely Wizards of the Coast. Right. So both of them now work on Magic full-time, and so those were in right away. Like, when I started the design, I, I had both of those in my pocket. I knew they were perfect fits for Simic and Boris, respectively. They went in, never left. I mean, we tweaked them, but I mean, nothing really changed about them other than, you know, minor tweaks. Right. Um, Evolve changed in that when Ethan made the mechanic, it only looked at power. We changed it to be power and toughness. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only change to Battalion was in uh, Sean's version, it just said if three or more creatures attack, it didn't necessarily have to attack, but we changed it to say, well, I have to attack and then two others. Right. Um, so, but those are minor, minor tweaks. Yeah. Uh, so those stayed as is. The other three mechanics that we ended up with weren't where we started. Right. Uh, for example, where do you want to go? Where do you want to go next? Uh, let's, blood let's, rush. Let's, yeah, let's do blood rush. Absolutely. The blood I, rush. I have I have essentially a gruel commander deck. I have a very red green heavy commander trample trample your face off deck. And from seeing the previews, uh, I'm just like I cannot wait to essentially gate crash my commander my yep. commander deck. So I wanted to learn about blood rush. Yeah, so gruel gruel was actually the troublesome one. The gruel was the one we got last. <laughs> so, so we started with uh, I tried, we went through a whole bunch of different mechanics for gruel. The one I remember was we had a mechanic where you could activate it, it and then doubled its power and toughness <laughs> for the turn, but it died at the end of turn. So it's sort of like berserk. Berserk, yeah. yeah oh my basically God. a built berserk. That sounds That awesome. was a little crazy. I can imagine. Um, that sounds amazing, though. So, in fact, the version we tried at first was it doubled. 
So they do giant growth at first. It just got crazy big. <laughs> then we changed it to say, okay, it's locked in. It just gets as big as its base power toughness. Even that was broken. Right. I know we tried that. We, we, we What we knew about Gruul coming in was Gruul was an attacking color. Yep. Um, now, we had Boros. One of the things that you have to do when you do a, a set like this is you have to figure out kind of who's doing what role. So we knew Boros was Weenie Rush. So Gruul... In a, another world could be Weenie Rush, but we said, okay, well, since Boros is Weenie Rush, there could be more mid-range rushes. They're going to be like, you know, build up a little bit and attack with larger creatures, not so much attack with everything right away. That's more Boros. Right. Um, so we were trying to find a mechanic that kind of played into that. And I think Blood Rush didn't even come from the design team. I think that there was a little huh. sub-team made to try to come up with stuff. Uh, and we had a whole bunch of things. Like... I don't remember how many we went through. Gruel was the, the problem child for, for this. Every uh, guild set has some problem child. That right, is, yeah. You know, like in the original Ravnica, I must have made 40 Golgari mechanics. Like, yeah. right, it was like <laughs> the 40th mechanic. Anyway, and like I said, I, I think the thing that was interesting about it was this idea that I want to put a lot of creatures in my in my deck because I'm Gruel and I, I want to have a lot of creatures, but I want to have some f- surprise and fun and it yeah. was neat and it sort of like kind of put instance in a deck full of creatures right. that we, we thought was kind of neat. Um, and it definitely has a lot of the aggressive kind of, they like getting in fights. You yeah, know, sure. like the picking fights kind of, so I, I like that element of it. Um, and like I said, it's called Ambush. That was our, our design right, right. name. Uh, but I think they decided the Ambush implied too much like a defensive surprise rather than right. aggressive yeah. surprise. Right. So we changed it. Like I said, I'm a fan of all of these guilds. Um, let's, let's talk a little bit about a Battalion. Battalion. Uh, well, when we talked about them, I mean, Sean, Sean made the oh, Battalion. Oh, that's right, sorry. Uh, that- I don't have much more to say of it other than the neat thing about Battalion was trying to find interesting boosts. And a lot of what we wanted to do was boost the creature that was – that's one of the things we, we, we tried to separate from other things. It said Battalion means I get better if I meet this condition. Right. And if you get a bunch of Battalion creatures together, oh, wow, well, they click in and you know having three Battalion creatures all attack together mm-hmm. is awesome. Yeah. You know what, let's, let's talk about, uh, and this is something that I know that the community as a whole is still out on right now, and this is something that has been, for me, what I've seen on Twitter, the most topic of discussion, uh, and that's gotta be extort. Half the community is like, this is gonna be a, a game breaker. Uh, the other half is like, I have no idea how this is gonna work. Well, I have a great story for extort. So, in playtesting, what, what a lot of times we'll do is we'll, we'll do seals, and eventually we start doing draft. And so at the point extort got into the file, we were drafting. Right. Um, cause extort was the second last mechanic that we, we had made. Um, and so what happened was I really liked Extort. Mark Gottlieb, my co-designer, uh, co-lead, is an Orz- admittedly an Orzhov player. <laughs> he likes, he, he's an Orzhov. Yep. And one of the things that we were trying real hard to do, one of the goals of making a guild mechanic is making sure that the person who loves that guild loves the mechanic. I don't care if everybody loves the mechanic, but I care that you know, the guy who right. loves that thing loves the mechanic. And so yeah. we were trying hard to make an Orzhov mechanic. And Gottlieb was right there, so we'd suggest stuff, and Gottlieb would go, yes or no. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> no. no. Uh, and so uh, Sean Main actually designed Extort. Sean Main isn't on the design team, uh, although he gets credit because he made two of the five mechanics. Right. Um, he came up with this, and I liked it as soon as I heard it. And what's really neat about the mechanic is that we were drafting and playtest. So I said, you know what? I'm going to take every Extort card I can take. Nice. And I, no one else really respected it, and I, <laughs> I have like a deck of nothing but extort things, and it was brutal. Right. I can't imagine, um, yeah. I think people don't realize that once you start getting multiples in play, I mean, you have to pay for each one. Right. But I mean, you can have giant swings. Like, right. I remember having extort games, like, just give me a spell. Any spell. I don't care what it is. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to drain them for like five. Just give me a spell. Right. Yeah. Um, there was a great tweet. I forget who it was, so I apologize. 
apologize for not giving proper credit, but someone pointed out just the amazing flavor of extort, of how it's this flavorful debt where debt just builds up oh, and yeah, it yeah. adds, and it's so Orzov in, in this flavorful way. Right, and, and also the thing about how Orzov likes to play is Orzov is like, I'm going to play a slow, controlling game, and I'm just going to nibble you to death. I'm, right. I'm, yeah. I'm going to I'm going to beat you just on the little tiny elements, and that you're going to lose because I'm going to have a tight game, but I'm just going to sort of beat you, you know, mm-hmm. we, we call the death of paper cuts. Right. Um, and that, that really is kind of how Orzov functions, and that they really are, you know, I'm going to take control of things, and then I'm going to win it on my on my terms. Well, the Orzov, the, the Obsidot, can't profit if you're dead. Yes. They need you to live. Yeah. They need to just slowly leech away from yes, you. Yes, yes. So. They, they don't kill you quickly. They right. they slowly save you. Yeah. Well, and the, the name of the mechanics are really good, too. Like, Extort. It's, like, so perfect for yeah. Orzov, and it's the same for Evolve. Like, yeah. it's just... It's helping with the flavor and like as good as the mechanics fit. Yeah, you named having the two that didn't change. So extort and evolve were the design names, and we kept them. Yeah, um, it's funny. All the design names either started with E or A, because there was extort and evolve, and then uh, blood rush was ambush, battalion was assault. And uh, Cypher was in code originally. In code, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's let's go ahead and talk about Demir's in Cypher because we got something cool that we want to bring up. We have the Daily MPG exclusive Daily MPG podcast. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, okay, well, let me, let me set this up because there's a little bit of story. Yeah, give us give us some setup. Okay, so um, if you look back at the original Ravnica in our Godbook study, the number one card in the Godbook study was Sadik, uh, Lord of Secrets. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. And the number two card was. Uh, UB Mil 10, what was that card called? Oh, uh, Glimpse the Unthinkable. Glimpse the Unthinkable. Yeah. So I said, first meeting, I said, okay guys, Demir, it's gonna be a milling mechanic. It's clear people like milling, Demir's the milling guild, we're gonna do a milling mechanic. <laughs> and so we made a mechanic called Grind. Mm-hmm. Um, and how, the way Grind worked was, it would grind a number, and then you would mill them for that, you would mill them until they revealed that many lands, until right. that many lands Whoa. were milled. Uh, and the idea behind it was, we wanted to do milling with the suspense built into it. Like, we didn't quite know what was going to happen. Uh, and so grind was the mechanic. Uh, eventually it became clear that grind didn't play well with the other mechanics. Like, it was hard to get one grind card and want to play it. Either like you were committed to grind or weren't. Right. So what we ended up doing is we kept grind in the set. In fact, there's a bunch of grind cards. Um, I, I showed one off my second week of my, of my column and right. week. And the idea is that we kept grind in the set, but we just, we lowered the numbers and then picked a different mechanic. Now, seeing the writing on the wall, even though I was a very staunch defender of grind, I realized that we were going to do that. So I came up with another mechanic. So going back to Mirrodin, uh, Mirrodin had a mechanic called imprint. Right. And the idea of imprint was you could remove a card or take some card from some zone and then the card that imprinted it cared about it and looked right. at it. And it allowed you to sort of have memory things that were much more complex than we normally – normally like pick a color or something. But here's like, right. oh, the whole card could be referenced. This gets into the mind space, or the, the, the play space that you've talked about where you, you can't have players remember too much stuff. Exactly, right. right. Me- memory issues is a huge issue in Magic. And Imprim is kind of saying, like, well, we're going to use the whole card as a memory tool. And right. you can have it right in front of you and look at it. And, and that allows us to do more complex things. Right. And I was a big – I like Imprim. I mean, obviously, we brought it back in Scarves Mirror did. Um, so what happened was I had a card that was a creature that you could imprint a spell on it, and whenever it hit the opponent, it would do the spell. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that card ever, ever got printed. But I, I really liked that card. It was always sort of in the back of my head. Uh, also in 
Champions of Kamigawa, I wasn't on the design team, but I did design the Splice mechanic. Right. Um, and Splice was this whole thing of, like, I graphed this thing onto a card, and sort of, like, now the spell has this extra ability onto it. Right. And so I kind of combined the idea of the imprint card with the idea, the, the thought process of splicing. Right. So the idea was, rather than a creature that you put something onto, they were spells that inherent in the spell allowed you to sort of graft it onto a creature so that it became the combat ability. Right. Um, so whenever it hit your, your opponent, it would do this. Gottlieb came, Mark Gottlieb came up with the idea that he said, well, what if we, their first spells that resolve once and then do that? Because the problem was we didn't know if it was worth the card disadvantage without it. So right. this way, oh, you get your spell and now you get to graft it onto a creature. That, that's not technical terms. Um, <laughs> and so the neat thing about it is if you time it right, you tend to get at least two versions of the spell. Right. And if you do, yeah, if, if you're doing your job correctly, you get a lot more. Right. Yeah. I think encode uh, was perhaps one of the, along with extort was probably the most dis- discussed mechanic in the sense of the player is not really sure at first glance what to make. Well, it, it is a cipher. That's I'm sorry. Call it's, it cipher. It's cipher. It, it itself is a cipher. What right. is it? <laughs> but in the card text, it says you then encode this Correct. card, yeah, yeah, this yeah. spell onto that creature. So uh, both terms will be used in reference to this mechanic. Yeah. Uh, so I feel like the card we have is exciting. Uh, I'm oh, ex- yeah, I know for sure. Yeah, it, it is. Tifa, yes. uh, do you want to retell and tell the people about it? Sure. Yeah. Uh, and I think one of the most exciting things about it is how well this card works with an extort deck. Yeah. So the card that we have is Undercity Plague. It costs four and two black, and it's a sorcery. Target player loses one life, discards a card, then sacrifices a permanent. And then it has Cypher. Right. So it's it's like a, a mini pox sort of. Yes, it's a pox reference. Yeah. It's awesome. Six mana, you, you do these three important things at least once. Yes. And then you get the ability to have a creature do these things every time it hits it. Right. Like, and the way Cypher tends to work is if you're doing your job, usually you get the second one. Like, your opponent doesn't know that you have it, so you right. usually can at least get one in for free. You play this during your first main phase. If your opponent's tapped out, unable to block, yep. then you get to hit him immediately with, yes. with the second one. So it, it can be quite a brutal slam. Like, I mean, they're, they're discarding two cards, sacrificing two permanents, and then losing two life for six mana. Right. right. And then if you add extort to that, they're losing another two life. Right. And you're gaining two. Like, it's awesome. So Cypher, as a mechanic, you know, has all of these different possibilities. We've shown a number of cards. This is a rare uh, black Demir card, and uh, if you can't envision it, the picture is on Daily MTG. It will be in the uh, the section that shows the podcast, and then tomorrow it will be in the card image gallery. But this is definitely going to be a uh, limited bomb when you're oh, yeah. playing uh, Cypher, and could possibly make Constructed. I mean, if we see Constructed Cypher decks... Another well, thing to remember when you're drafting uh, Cypher is black and blue have a higher percentage of evasion creatures. Right. In fact, Demir has an even higher than normal. Uh, so make sure you take the evasion creatures because the evasion creatures combo with the Cypher creatures, right. Cypher spells, really well. Yeah. It's, it's Gate Crash Draft is really interesting, very exciting, and a lot of fun. I'm eager to hear the community talk about it once they're able to. Obviously, it's a little early right now. They're still learning all the cards, but... Uh, well, someone has drafted it a lot. It, it is a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm looking forward to see you're right. Like, you touched on this a little bit, you know, Cypher Constructed X. I want to work using some of the cards from the from, from uh, Innistrad block using Invisible Stalker, Latch Seeker right. with Cypher. It's just a perfect combination of yep. stuff. Because then not only... I'm going to Cypher on my, all my unblockable guys. Yep. And then using Rogue's Passage from Return to Ravnica. Like, uh, from M13, you could use Odric. And, yeah. and th- then define the blockers and yep. say, you don't block any of my cipher creatures. Yeah, for sure. Or creatures with cipher. 
who have been ciphered. I guess that's the proper phrasing. Who have been ciphered. They've been ciphered. Yeah. Uh, so listen, what other, let's, let's talk a little bit about Evolve. I know it came from the great designer search. Mm-hmm. It went through the, uh, with that mm-hmm. one small tweak with the toughness. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was your first card. We gave you experiment one to start I off. Did. I did. I'm a huge Evolve fan. I, like I said, what happened was in the great designer search, um, Ethan had a world that, that his, we had to build a world for the great designer sure. search. And his world was, the first set is the dinosaur period. And then each set, like thousands of years would pass. Like, it was a world, like, evolving before you. Right. And so Evolve came from me saying to Ethan, it seems like your theme's evolution. Show me evolution. <laughs> and he goes, okay, I'll make an Evolve mechanic. I uh, want to see this so bad. <laughs> and so what he did was, his first version, every creature evolved differently. Yeah. But the very first thing he did, the very first card, was a G01, not a 1-1, one, one, but a G01 with this mechanic. And I'm like, done. You got it. Yep. Like, stop stop doing other stuff. You have it. Right. Uh, and then, like, as the thing went along, I finally narrowed it down to just, that was his mechanic. Yeah. And I, I was a huge fan of the mechanic. So, like, when the, the set come along, like, I knew, in fact, if you look at the rear designer search, first week, he could choose the color to make. He chose green. The second week, I made him choose a color. I chose blue. Right. Right. He designed green and blue. That wasn't an accident. I, I was actually very interested in where this could go. I, I, I recall Ethan said that he was – one of his most exciting memories was coming in the door at Wizards after he got the job and being handed a card of this mechanic, like sh- seeing it being put into gate yeah, yes. He walked in the door seeing it already being put there. What happened was he won and uh-huh. so on the uh, Great Crush team, we had like ETB, winner of Great Designer Search. And so I think he started like we'd been a month. We'd already going for like a month when he started. Mm-hmm. So he walked in and I'm like, here is a stickered card with your mechanic on it. And he was very <laughs> excited. I can imagine. That's, that's a dream come true, literally. I mean, this is Ethan Fleischer who, you know, Entered and won the great designer search. Obviously loves magic, designs magic for fun, gets a job at Wizards, and walks in the door and already his work is being put to use. Yeah, and in fact, he's so happy, but now we're showing it off. But like, he in my pain, like, you know, for for 16 months, he couldn't talk about it. (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting. There's a whole slew of people in R&D who have been, you know, here two years or slightly less. And now we're finally seeing Gate Crash and Dragon's Maze and what comes after that. Uh, will be, you know, the first chances to, uh, to see their names on Daily MTG as yeah, part of the no, team. Yeah, no, it's awesome. And, we, we have a big influx. The last couple of years has been a huge change. Yeah. Like, my design team's up to six people. Well, what, you know. what, what did you start out as? Like, not, not as, but like, how big was the R&D of old? Give people a, a, a Well, I comparison. mean, way, way back when Mike Elliott and I did most of the design. Mm-hmm. Both of us were working on other games. Like, we weren't 100% magic. Oh, okay. Uh, and then finally, I became head designer about 10 years ago, and I was 100% on magic. And for the longest time, I didn't even have a, like I had people who worked on other things that I could borrow from time to time. But there was a period where I had nobody. Like, you know, I, mean, I would borrow people, but I didn't have any set designers that like, that's what they were doing. Right. Then when, uh, Ken Nagel got his job, he was 50% magic. So for a while it was me, which was 100%, and I had 50% of his time. You know, and that was, like, that was the magic design team for quite a while. Right. And now we have six dedicated work on magic, you know, 75 to 80% of their time people. Yeah. So it, it's very exciting. Magic's exploding, and, and it is. that's yeah. being shown in R&D. It's very exciting. Let's let's talk about, you know, you're wearing your Ramnica t-shirt I am. today. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Only I would wear a t-shirt for the podcast. <laughs> and it's a podcast! No one can see, but I wanted to call it out. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, you touched on the, the original Ramnica block versus this Ramnica yeah. block. And the differences being, you know, one of being the distribution of the guilds. Mm-hmm. You talked about how Gatecrash became a large set to support the 5-5 split. How much do you think that having them be split draft formats impacted the designs? Oh, a, a big part. Uh, the, so one of the things that happened the first time through that, I mean, 
a lot about Raptor was awesome, but one of the things is you got to look at your successes to figure out what didn't work. Right. Um, and one of the sadnesses from the original Ravnica draft was unless you were one of the four guilds in Ravnica, you never had an opportunity to just draft your guild. Right. For example, let's say you loved Is It. There was no point you could ever just draft Is It. It was never feasible. Right. Uh, and this five five ten split means you everybody has the chance to draft a two color the guild they love deck. They have the opportunity to do that. Yep. And then, and here's the neat thing, which kind of won't come to fruition for a little bit, but. We knew that both sets were going to be drafted together eventually. So both Return to Ravnica and Gatecrash built into its design stuff to go with the other set. But you're not going to do that until Dragon's Maze comes out. Right. Which so, will be Dragon's Maze, Gatecrash, RT. Exactly. And yeah. so we did this neat thing where each set drafts well with itself, but also drafts really nicely with the other set. And so, like, it's each draft this year, which is something we've never done before, which is every year we have three drafts. Right. Draft A... Draft B and Draft C are all really, I mean, really different from one another. Yeah. I mean, obviously, A and B don't even overlap in cards. Yep. You know, and C, all of a sudden, all these cards you know now all overlap when they didn't before. Right. Uh, and I'm really, really happy in that. We've been trying harder to make the block plan have more sort of experience in what you're doing. And I love that this year, each draft environment is a very distinctive new thing. Yep. I, I agree. I, I love, like I said, I, you've drafted a lot of Gate Crash. I've yeah. drafted it a couple of times. I, I know they have a, a little bit, not oh, a whole bunch. The Gate Crash? Yeah. Uh, I have not drafted it yet, actually. Oh, uh, well, you guys aren't as cool as us. That's, that's what I'm we're not learning. as cool as either of you two. Like, <laughs> you guys get, I get to hear all the cool stuff you guys do. I'm like, I'm just tweeting. <laughs> yeah, I came in, like, just after the Gate Crash testing stuff oh, okay. had happened. So. All right, so you just missed the window. I but. just missed the window. It, it's crash. it's pretty fun. I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing it the community fun. go crazy over it. They, yeah. I mean, they already are, and that's that's one of the funny things. It's it's both it's the I guess the double edged sword of my job is you guys get to see all the cool future stuff. You get to draft all the really cool future and play with all the really cool future stuff. And I get it. I get I get that nugget like every once in a while, like right. once every few months I'll get it. Whereas you guys get it more than that, but. When it comes down to when the community is seeing stuff, I get just as excited as they are because for me, I sometimes personally try to keep blinders on so that I can right. be just as excited and feel what the community is yeah. feeling when that first comes out. I, I don't have the time lapse that Mark has. I, I don't live four years in the future, but I live like nine months in the future, so I have this sort of mini offset of when I'm able to talk about the stuff that I'm looking at and working on, planning for. So, yeah. it, it, it is. It is Probably the worst part of my job. (laughs) For example, I hate, like, the perfect example was it took me 14 years and I finally got poison into magic. Right. Which was was, (laughs) a lifelong quest to do it. I did it and had to sit on it for two and a half years. You know, it's like, I finally did it, and I can tell nobody for two right. years. You know, and, and Magic's, like, I, there's things in the future that are awesome that I would love <laughs> to tell you. You know, there's all these crazy awesome things coming, and you guys will find out in a couple of years. Right. So. Yeah. Well, and I think all of us have a different level of excitement at the different points, too, because, like, you're excited when it yeah. happens, and then, like, like when it happens in the building, and then I'm sure you're just as excited oh, when excited. people yeah. are <laughs> finding out about it. At the same level, like, I'm really excited when I find out about something in the building and then, you know, excited to play it for the first time and then also excited to see how, like, Lady Planeswalkers picks up things. Um, and I know, like, Mike was talking about how he likes to see the community and how they play with it. And it's it's awesome to have those different levels of enjoyment. Oh, yeah. one of my favorite things is, so I have a blog that I, on Tumblr, a blog talk. And so it's fun that I get a lot of questions. So when a new set comes out, like, all the obvious questions come pouring in. You know, how does this work? Or why'd right. you do this? Or, you know, like, the thing I love is 
how do people see things and what's the vantage point and you know we, we always talk in R&D about how will this be perceived you know and then we actually get to put it out and see how it's perceived and right. sometimes it's very different too like you think they'll think one thing and it's it, you know they have a very different take on it yep one of the other things that as has been said for RTR and is true for Gatecrash as well as the the tropes are the, the things from the original Ravnica that we brought back for this block. And one of those is the guild leaders. Not all the guild leaders are the same. A lot of them have changed over. Yeah, four, but, I think, are the same. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the, the task of redesigning or updating these characters, these personalities from Magic's background. Well, one of the things that's interesting is the creative team is responsible for figuring out who the characters are. Right. Um, sometimes they know that early enough that design does it during design. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's not known. Okay. This they did know because uh, because so much of Ravnica had been done before, they had a big leap. You know, most years they're building a world from scratch. Well, they didn't have to build this one from scratch. They had right. to update it, but they didn't have to build it from scratch. Uh, so we knew going in who the who the leaders were. At least we knew who the re- repeat ones were. Yeah. Um, and part of that is trying to like, okay, we're doing Niv-Mizzet again. Well, how do we make a Niv-Mizzet that feels like Niv-Mizzet, but is, you know, different in some way that's kind of cool? Right. And on the flip side, sometimes there are brand new leaders, you know, like Demir last time had a vampire, now they have a shapeshifter, and, you know, mm-hmm. what can we do with that? It's really hard whenever you're doing a top-down design to say, you want the mechanic to speak the flavor, and that's a big part of doing top-down is that if you forgot the name and forgot the art, like if you just played the card, how much flavor does playing the card convey? Right. And I feel like we've been getting a lot, lot better at having mechanics sort of explain the flavor. Mm-hmm. I love the community loved Obzidat, uh, especially the, the Orzhov <laughs> Council. Yes. Uh, he was one of the first big, uh, I think he might have been the first uh, guild leader that we showed. But I think you guys definitely succeeded with this block, especially. Yeah. I mean, The thing that's awesome for me is I feel like Ravnica, the original Ravnica, fired on all cylinders, did a great job. And the idea to sort of come back to a success, but like try to up, like, you know, rate, hit, go above the bar. Right. Like, okay, like we set this bar last time, let's beat that. Yep. And I'm very, very happy in that. All the guilds, like Gatecrash, all five guilds, I feel we nailed. Like, all the guilds, they are what they are. And in some ways, we even improved upon them. Like, Simic, I feel, was a little muted last time. And I feel like the creative team, and we upped our game a little bit to make them a little more, uh, embrace their silliness a little more than they did last time. Right. Like, I, I love Simic and the, you know, the ooze humans and all that, you know. And that, I really feel like we embraced that even more than we did last time. Yeah. I thought it was great when the Simic preview card went up because it was the day after I got my tattoo, which that was not planned, but it was really exciting because like people would respond to my tweets about my tattoo by being like, oh, I just saw the new oh, mechanics. Yeah. Yeah. So it was awesome. Someone's like, oh, I'm super excited for Evolve now. Your tattoo is amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that you, went up. I was, no, go ahead. I, I was going to say, you guys might not actually know that, but the, the – Gift boxes that we had on Daily MTG over uh, holiday week. That's where I was uh, going with this. I was, was say, that, uh, that was a gift. We had these cards every day, one from each of the guilds, showing off the new mechanics. The seed of that idea actually came from Mark here. Uh, he and I discussed uh, what uh, what we wanted to do for the holidays, stuff like ideas for the previews. And he's like, this is happening right after the holidays, that we should give them something on the holiday. Yeah, I, yeah, think, the, the, I think the, your idea was just something for Christmas Day. Well, the, uh, no, my original idea was we we knew that we were doing the mechanics article the first day of the preview week. <clears throat> and I wanted to have an opportunity for people to sort of have fun discussing before we kind of mm-hmm. gave all the nut, uh, nuts and bolts. And so the idea was it happened to be the week of the holidays. Uh, my idea was like, it's a present. 
Yep. Like, you come and – the funny thing is whenever I come up with something, it's the grandiose, like, you come and giant present floats around and it <laughs> happens and it unwraps itself, you know. And, yeah. uh, and then the actual practicality, you know, it's like right. – usually it, it can never be quite the, you know. Uh, but that was the idea. of like, oh, you can unwrap a present. And I thought that was kind of fun. Yeah. And um, uh, we, we did that. We, we gave them one for every day of the week. Uh, Fathom Mage was the first one. Yep. Uh, yeah. The Simic mechanic showing off Evolve. And, uh, yeah, we were very careful in picking the order and yeah. so. People don't, I think people underestimate the amount of planning that we do into this whole preview season and yes, the, the way that we it. unveil. Even, even though you say it, I say it, you know, Aaron Forsyth says it, everyone yeah. says it, they don't understand that there, there are weeks of planning that go into this. We analyze, you know, uh, for Gatecrash especially, I, we took it to the next level in making sure that trying to even out the guild distributions. Oh yeah. Make sure that people are, are getting, you know, guilds equally, uh, represented as they go and stuff like that. And then you have the other exciting cards. Like we have Domri Rade, the green-red uh, Gruel Plains. Well, not Gruel, yeah. but green-red Planeswalker. One of the things that's funny is I wrote an article many, many years ago about how I hate leaks. Oh, no, it's not. Uh, and one of the things I said is I feel like we've put a lot of energy to try to, like, give you information in the proper order so you understand things. And, like, when that all gets messed up, it just drives me batty because, like, I want you to experience it. It's kind of like a trailers in a, in a movie that I want to be a good trailer. I want to get you excited. And I yeah, want right. to show you what you need yeah. to know but not give you things you're not supposed to know and – I, I think it's so important how you give information, and so when that gets dashed to the rocks, I oh, it, yeah. every time there's these. a leak, I make sure Trick like if he needs a hug, like I am there. <laughs> I like flip tables and start throwing group. stuff around. We the actually office. have an in, an in-house support group for Trick if things go out. Yes. One one of the things that excites me most about previews is not only the previews that we as a company do, but our partners. Like that is one of, to me my favorite things to see how creative our partners can be with previewing. Loaded Ready Run last year when they completely slow played their preview was amazing. <laughs> Alex Day's preview. Oh, no, I love which, Alex Day's which, preview. Which yeah, a lot of us found hilarious. Others did not. And you know when he was in the office a couple weeks yeah. ago, I was like, I cannot wait to see how you're going to do this. And he was like, Yeah, I kind of set myself up to have to top my last one. Yeah. Yeah. And he was he was just in love with it. And he was already trying to figure out how he was going to do his preview yep. cards, so I'm excited to see in what creative ways all of our partners are going to do with their previews. Yeah, I agree. It, it's uh, I love working with them. I love helping... Uh, I sort of have the, the, the sky-high view of the preview plan because I spent so long staring at the, my, my planning sheets and, and having meetings with people making sure that we're all on board with the way that this is unfolding. It's sort of like, once the season starts, I still stress over it, but at the same time, I'm sort of like, I can, my ability to implement change is so d- diminished that the stress yeah. just ends up being, you know, a non-factor, because I can't do anything, <laughs> but I still worry about it. It's like, it's, it's like a set being, I'm yeah. sure, received by the community. You're like... Yeah, it's, one of the things interesting is when you, you are very possessive of creative works, this is the nature of, sure. of art, and, and, you know, you care a lot about the stuff you spend a lot of time on, and so... You finally put it out there to sort of see what people think of it, you know. And, and people are brutally honest. <laughs> I mean, luckily R and D is brutally honest. But like, you know, like you could spend you know months and months and months working on something, and someone will look at it for two seconds and go, "Yeah, I hate it." I'm like, okay. right. <laughs> could, right? Could you play with it first, maybe? Yeah. But that's just you know, that's the nature of the being. And I mean, obviously, I've done this a long time, so I've kind of gotten used to it. You're in the building. You're in the room. Let's let's talk. Let's step away from Gate Crash and talk okay. more about magic in general. Tell me. What you consider, what you have said, is one yeah. of your top contributions. Yes, yes, I is have. these psychographics. Yeah, I, I've asked you this story before. I, uh, let's talk about it for those who may not have heard it. So basically, what happened was Magic. The, the original people, uh, Richard Garfield, and the original uh, designers, developers of Magic, were very math based. Right. In fact, the majority of them literally either studied math or engineering. And so here I come in. I'm. A, I, I call myself a word guy. I mean, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> math background. Uh, and my mother's a psychologist, and I, I definitely 
Uh, I studied communications, which has a huge amount of psychology in it. That was my major was communications. And in um, advertising, there's something called psychographics. Right. And the idea is I'm selling product X. Well, who wants product X? And more importantly, why do they want product X? Right. Because a lot of advertising is about saying, what is your need? Here's how my product fills your need. Yep. And so you have to understand the needs of your consumers. And so um, originally it started – I think we were – I was in a Tempest design meeting mm-hmm. and I had made a card. Um, what is the 8-8 eight, eight that makes a 1-1 one, one every turn? Uh, Vern Force. Yeah. I made Vern Force or somebody had made Vern Force. I'm not sure if I made it. But I liked the card a lot. And I think a bunch of other people said, eh, I'm not sure that's any good. And I said, no, 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 no. Imagine there's a player. I'm going to call him Timmy. And he's going to rip open this pack, and he's going to see this card, and he's going to run around the room, and he's going to do a dance. He's, he's going to get really excited. This card he's going to fall in love with. And I go, this card is for Timmy. Uh, and then I sort of stuck with that, and I, and I, I used Timmy just – and then later on, I said, okay, I have another player. Okay, I'm going to call him Johnny. And so for a while, it was Timmy, Johnny, and the tournament player. Right. And finally, <laughs> the, the brand team said, okay, you got to name this guy. Fine, we're going to name him. His name is Spike, and the brand team just <laughs> named him. And it was okay, Timmy, Johnny, and Spike. So Spike was the first one, but we hadn't named him. Right. Uh, and then, then came Timmy, and then came Johnny. Um, and then what happened is later on, uh, there's Vorthos and Melvin, which aren't psychographics. This confuses people a lot. They're about aesthetics and how you do things, and they're a scale. Uh, and basically what the Vorthos Melvin scale says is, what do I care about? Like, what about cards? What aesthetically do I care about the cards? And on one end of the spectrum are people who are like, it's all about flavor, it's all about what is it, and oh, it's this, oh, that's cool. And they care about the entire package of, does it all make sense? Right. And the, the, the Melvin side of the scale is sort of like, it's all about the process of how it's made, and it's all about sort of the inner workings of the game. And it doesn't matter if there's any flavor to it, it just matters like, does it click and work together mechanically. Right. Um, and so a lot of people seem to think that Vorthos and Melvin are psychographics, but they're not because psychographics are about psychologically why you play, where uh, Melvin and Vorthos are about what you appreciate. Right. And so the, I know it's subtle differences, but it's important. Yeah. And what happened was I sort of came in and said, okay, these players existed, and I shifted the mindset of R&D to sort of uh, – my joke is I, I shifted us from, from math to psychology to say – Okay, guys, when we make a set, we have to think about who we're making the set for. And when I design a card, one of my big things in design is, look, not everybody's going to love every card. That's just right. the way it's going to work. And magic is many games to many people. So you have to understand who your card is for. Make sure that that player loves the card. It doesn't matter if other players don't like the card. They can hate the card. It doesn't matter. Right. You know, if you're making a really cool Johnny card, I'm talking about the rare pole. I don't care if Spike and Timmy hate the card with the patch. I don't care. Right. It's not for them. You know, and that I have to make sure that every player opens up uh, uh, the packs and, like, there are cards that speak to them that they love. And what we found is as long as everybody loves something, magic is in good shape. It doesn't matter if they hate something right. as long as there's something they do love. Yeah. And in fact, we plan for them not to like every card. There, there's no way for everyone to like every card. Right. If we did that, we'd have a very boring – like one of the things about the hills and valleys of excitement, which is in order for me to make somebody passionately excited about it, someone else is going to have to hate the card. Right. Like in order to make everybody feel the same about it, I'm making very boring, very middle of the road, very plain cards that nobody hates well, but nobody loves. Right. 
And what we do now is we have peaks and valleys. We make cards that some people are going to love, some people are going to hate. And, by the way, when we do a rare poll and the card gets ones and tens, that's awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. That means somebody <laughs> loves it, somebody else hates it, great. Have a discussion. You'll be excited. You'll talk about how much you hate it. And people don't realize how much that builds community, by the way. It is not bad to have cards that you hate. Right. That that's drives discussion. That oh, drives absolutely. the conversation. You know. So is it is it the worst thing when you get cards that are just straight fives? Yeah, straight fives. The thing that the development will most likely kill when they get a rare poll is straight fives. Straight five says nobody is emotionally moved by this card. No one understands it. No one gets excited right. by it. No one hates it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, now sometimes they exist for reasons and we have fives. But when everybody says, eh, like that's just not doing anything. Like we want everybody – every card has to do some function. Right. Now, some of the cards are like vanillas helping limited. I mean some of the cards aren't necessarily going to be exciting. But we want to make sure that every card is playing to some purpose. I think I, I think the psychographics and you know what they say about our mentality for the players is one of the things that I think players really unknowingly most appreciate is that we have this mentality that we have this image of who they are that we actively refer to. I think we're one of the most accessible companies out there in terms of what they can find out and how, we talk about oh. how much is made and how much or how much how the stuff is made. Right. So here's the interesting thing. So number one contribution I think I made to the game is the psychographic. Number two is I've been a very big proponent of pushing accessibility of saying, mm-hmm. look, I think we build a better audience if we educate them and teach them what we do so that they can understand and appreciate what it is we're doing. Right. You know, and that the big argument I've made for years, obviously, is that, like, you can create a – we're really good at what we do. The way the audience benefits from that is us explaining to them what we're doing so they get it. They see what we're doing. Right. You know, and I feel and I feel like they've come to expect a lot from us because we, we've educated and taught them. I feel like our game consumers, our, our players, are very educated on games, way more so than the average game player. Right. Uh, games and game theory in general, because this game is so oh yes, such an educational tool in that way. Is we we cover every sort of aspect of that sort of spectrum of game game theory and gameplay. <coughs> Magic is an awesome game, by the way. If you want to learn about game theory or just game design, Magic is a really good game to learn that. In fact, what I've learned is people saying. Oh, you want to design games. We well, better first learn magic because you'll learn a lot learning magic. Right. Because one of the secrets of magic is that everybody who plays magic is a game designer. Right. You know, what makes the game awesome? One of Richard's, I mean, Richard did a lot of amazing things, but R- Richard, one of Garfield. Them, Richard Garfield, the creator of the game. Um, one of the things that he did is the game is what they call bigger than the box. Yep. Which means when I play, I pick and choose and design the game I want to play when I sit down. Yeah. You know, when you play Monopoly, look, there's 40 squares. That's what it is. But when you play Magic, look, the, what I sit down with, the deck in my hands, might be unique to me. No one in the world might play exactly that game. And when you take my game and your game and combine them together, that can, you know, the chance of that repeating is very slight. And so you are a game designer when you play Magic. Right. And that I think if you want to sort of design games, well, here's a game that makes you design a game as part of the game. Yeah. You know, building off of that, and it makes it makes a really good point, is not only are you a game designer when you're building your constructed deck, but, I mean, drafting and sealed is just the absolute epitome of that. You were designing your deck based on... On the fly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And especially when it comes to draft. When you start to have to draft, you're like, this is what I'm going to commit to, or this is what I'm trying to do. Or when you get a seal, you just look at your pool, and you're like, I have to create something based off of this. When, you have your, when you're when you building your standard deck, you're like, all right, I have a theme, and I know these are the cards I need. When you have to do limited, uh, you know, sealed or draft, you're like, all right... 
this is what I have to work with now, like as opposed to just going and buying your collection or getting your collection, you're, and you're forced to design your own game like that. It's very different skill sets because with oh, well, yeah. draft and sealed, like you have what you have there, where with constructed, it's like you have this ridiculous amount of possibilities right. to yeah. go through and like figure out, um, and like both of them are like a completely different kind of design even. Oh, no, for sure. It's one of the yeah. reasons uh, I love Commander, and I know Trig can back me up on this, is because for me, Commander Commander to me is a puzzle that I love to solve. I have this Commander, how can I build a deck around this Commander? And it's that, and uh, you know, I've got 99 cards that I may only see once. How can all of these cards work together? Yep. The last thing I want to make sure we get in before we run out of time, because uh, I know we all have other things we have to be doing, unfortunately. Uh, you do another podcast called Drive to Work. I do, yes. Uh, we made some uh, jokes about the <laughs> fact that we're not in a car, but uh, let's talk about where Drive to Work came from. Basically, uh, I liked the concept of podcasting, mm-hmm. but I had the following problem, which is I have no time. Like I'm on, I, I run at least one design team constantly. I'm always leading one design team. Uh, I've been doing that for like six years now. And then I'm on every uh, non-core set, expansion set. Right. Um, and I do other things. So I'm just crazy busy. Uh, but I love the idea of doing a podcast. Uh, and I also believed that, no offense to you guys, but I, I think 30 minutes uh, for me was what felt like the right amount of time for a podcast. Right. Uh, and then one day I just it hit me that it takes me 30 minutes to drive from my house to work. I live in a place called Issaquah, which is 30 minutes away. And so I said, okay, well, I have my little iPhone. I'm like, I'll, I'll turn it on one day, and I'm just going to record me driving to work, and I'll talk. And uh, it actually worked really well. And so uh, I managed to turn what was formerly downtime into yet more work time. Um, and then basically, like, once a week, usually on Mondays, I, on the way to work, I'll record. And I, I pick different topics, and uh, about every third week, I talk about set design. So I have to ask, I was, I was, I was like, if you mess up the intro, do you turn around and pull out of the driveway again? <laughs> No, no, no. What happens is uh, if I mess up, which I have, then on Tuesday I'll record. Oh, so, okay. like, uh, every once in a while I'll mess up Monday. And sometimes I don't mess up to right near the end. I'm like, no! You know. Um, or sometimes I'll say something. I'm like, I'm not supposed to talk about that. And I'll record it. Yeah, I had a couple of those. But uh, I'm getting better the more I do it. Um, sure. I've only had to redo it. Like, I've never had to go to Wednesday. Um, <laughs> the closest I came, which is an upcoming one, is I recorded it, didn't finish, the next day I did part two, didn't finish. The next day I did part three. Oh, wow. So there's a three-parter coming up. Why, um, why didn't wow. you just take the long way to work? Just circle the building a whole bunch until you were <laughs> Yeah, I was wondering, does does the length of it, is that based on traffic? Oh, yeah. Like, for example, <laughs> yeah. my unglued podcast, it was raining, and Seattleites can't drive in the rain. So True. it was a 38-minute podcast rather than 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah. um, what about drive from work? Like I haven't yet done drive. <laughs> I, I did a podcast with Ethan Fleischer. Right. And I, real, I realized after the fact, because he came in with me, that the way I could have extended that one was he and I could have done drive from home because I had to drive from home because he drove with me. Um, and that could have been a way to do a longer thing. I haven't done drive from home yet, maybe one day. Fair enough. Um, I keep joking of like expansions like you know drive to the grocery store. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think – this has been an excellent episode. I mean, it's always a pleasure to talk with you, Mark. I'm glad that yeah, I had a business I'll, reason. Always to happy to come back. So, uh, uh, let, let's, uh, as always, uh, I'm Trick Jared. I'm Trick MTG on Twitter. Uh, I'm Mark Rosewater. So, Morrow254 on Twitter. Tifa Mayan. At Michael Robles. We hope you all enjoy Gate Crash. Just go to dailymtg.com. Just do that. And check out the latest of the Gate Crash previews. And of course, go to your Gate Crash pre release. You're going to love it. It's an exciting, fun set. And pick Boris. That's the right guild. Right, guys? Go Gruel.
Simic, and I look forward to hearing what you think about it. So yes. let us know. We want to hear it. We will see you all. I second the Simic. <laughs> well, we're, we're slightly outnumbered here. Mike. I have no tattoos, though. Oh. <laughs> all right, folks, we will see you in two weeks. 